When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak kicking off week 16, Jeff. Thursday night football. Short one, short week for the Black and Gold. Short week for the Rams. Uh, They're the home team, though, in this matchup. And... Two seven and seven squads fighting for playoff positioning. What more could you ask for this time of year? <laughs> we're traveling, baby. Yeah, we're getting out there. We're getting out to LA. You know, uh, we were just talking about this off, off, off the uh, off air. I guess off the recording, whatever. I don't off know. Off mic, how, how right? But yeah, the, the funny thing is, like, people think about the flight out west, but I don't think a lot of people realize that. So the team doesn't stay there. The team <laughs> flies back immediately after the game. So that the, the 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 Saints team plane is gonna land in New Orleans or Kenner, I guess, if you're trying to be specific, about 5 a.m. Central Time. Yeah. You know, like in terms of I actually think a Thursday night game would be preferable to a Sunday. Like, you know what would be really miserable and would actually impact this team the following week would be if this was a Sunday night game out west. I was thinking about that. Like because you're oh. getting because it's kind of the same thing. You're not staying. You're flying back. So like that 5 a.m. return on Monday would be way more miserable. Like at least you get the time off on the back end. But yes, and especially since Monday is a huge Christmas. holiday, obviously. Right. Like whoever's playing, who, who who's got the Sunday night game uh, this week? Let's see. I want to see now. I know we got games Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. So the Sunday night game on December 24th, which is obviously Christmas Eve. So the Broncos, so the Patriots, yeah, what a terrible road trip. You want to talk about the Saints? The Patriots, an East Coast team, are going west to face the Broncos. And then I assume, I mean, I'm just assuming they'll do the same thing and they'll fly back. So that would be an even later return. So you're talking about that team on Monday, knowing they have to play the following Sunday. uh, So like their entire, their week is normal. We'll be getting back at like 6 a.m. You know, it doesn't really matter because they have nothing left to worry about in terms of <laughs> performance. Uh, so I guess in, in the grand scheme, it's like if any team had to deal with that. It's, anyway, so, you know, I, I just think it's funny. You talk about travel and like the one of the most annoying elements of the travel is actually the trip back when you're coming back from the West Coast and you're losing that time. Uh, so that's why I think that 10-day break before the Bucks game is actually very helpful. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. This is, uh, like you said, this is a podcast about the Saints. This is Inside Black and Gold. This is not Jeff's travel tips. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to be talking about the Saints-Rams. We're going to, I have a rant that I'm going to get off because this is kind of my Friday rant session. I need to have like my, 
you know, my Friday sermon, I guess, is kind of what it's become at this point. You and Demario. I have another one. Yeah, we 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 handle it differently, but you know, it's same same general idea. Uh, we can also talk about Demario because I think his 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 sermon this week worked. Yes, indeed. And, uh, th- there was some evidence of it, which was kind of funny because I didn't like you saw it. But anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, second segment. It's going to be kind of a a special edition. I got to chat with Charlie Long on Sports Talk on the Saints Hour, really on Monday, right? What's today? Tuesday? Tuesday. No, on Tuesday. <laughs> um, I know. On Tuesday. The week's all messed up. And so it's going to be that. That's going to be the second segment. The final segment is going to be X Factors as usual. We also got some interesting audio from Mark Slareth. I want to play that. He had some uh, interesting takes on you know how the Saints are going to handle this trip out to LA and how they should be approaching this game with the Rams. Um, so I uh, want to play that. But this first segment, I want to get into you know, also you know the injury report and what to expect for that. We're recording this on wednesday morning so we don't have the final injury report yet so anything that seems a little dated just keep in mind that we're going off of the thursday or the tuesday injury report which would be technically a thursday injury report but we're i can we we have a pretty good idea of what that's going to look like but but first things first you know a few weeks back i went into a rant about the booing at the dome and you know, some people disagreed with that. Some people didn't get what I was saying. Some people did and thought I told me I'm an idiot, whatever. But Homer. You know, of, I am Homer. Uh, but one of the, the the main thing I was trying to get across is is you're creating a toxic environment, and when you create a toxic environment, everyone has to live in it. There's no poisoning the well for one person. If you poison the well, everyone who drinks out of that well deals with the product of what what you put in that well, right? And it's like, you can do that. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just telling you that the results of that are what they are. You are making a choice to be toxic and don't be surprised when the results of that are a toxic environment. And this week, it's been it's been interesting because I've seen a few takes of people saying that that Dennis Allen is positioning the Saints and the fan base on different sides of of the of the you know the the trench here of he's positioning the saints and the fans apart from each other as if the fans are the enemy and the and the team is is this and so it's like no if if you wanted to create a toxic environment that's what you did and now that's the environment the team is just existing in and so i just think it's funny it's like it's like if you're going to boo go ahead like i'm not telling you not to boo but don't act surprised when the team hears you and reacts to that. And that's, I tweeted something along those lines and everyone, every time I tweet about like the, the environment in the dome, everyone thinks like I'm telling, I'm like telling them, you know, I'm holier than now and like, don't fan the way you want to fan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, if you're going to make a choice to create a toxic environment and not support the team and everything that happens, that's good. There's a caveat of why it was actually not that good. And everything that happens, that's bad. It's fire everybody, clean house, tear it down, start over. This sucks. I don't like it. Then, then that's the environment. But don't be angry at the team for finding a way to thrive within that environment because that's all they can do. I guarantee you the team would much rather be rallying around the support that's coming from the majority of the fan base. But if it's not there, then they have to survive the only way they can. And that's all and when I when my rant earlier when I was talking about, you know, if you're at a supermarket and you can't buy the kid the candy bar because he threw a temper tantrum, it's like 
that's what I'm saying. Like the players are just reacting to the environment that has been created around them. And the fact that they've been able to, to do that, right? I think there's a chance you look back at this season and you look back at the second quarter against the Lions and you say, that was the turning point where this team had the choice to do what the Chargers did a few weeks later. They were down 21 nothing going in the second quarter. You know what happened? They lost 63-14 to against the Raiders team that got shut out a week earlier, right? Like, they quit. This team had the exact same opportunity to quit. And instead, they came back and they fought in that game. They ended up, they lost, but they, it was a 33-28 loss that you lost your quarterback and you have probably had a chance if you, if you still had your starting quarterback in there, you might have gotten a win. And I think there's a, there's a chance that you go to the end of the season, you look back at that moment, that second quarter against the Lions as the kind of fulcrum of like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to have some pride and we're going to fight and we're going to turn this thing into something to be proud of? Or are we going to wilt and say the fans don't like us, they're mad, they're booing, and whatever. So like that's that's what you have. And I'm I'm thrilled for this team that they've been able to kind of overcome that to the extent that they have, and I'm hopeful that they can continue that. But if your goal is to go into that building and boo whenever you have the opportunity to boo, which is whenever anything happens that is not something that you're happy about, like whenever there's this possession that ends in a field goal instead of a touchdown, which is what happened in the first offensive possession against the Panthers, they drove down the field and then got held to a field goal, and there was boos in that right. building. Like, come on, guys, right. That, you went in that building planning to boo with a first sign yeah, of yeah. anything going wrong. And so if that's the environment you're creating, don't get mad at the players for reacting to that environment. That's all I'm saying, and that's all I was saying. And now it's like, it's like, okay, can you – I don't know. I thought that game last week was a lot of fun. And I'm hoping that if you get into week 18 and you have that chance to kind of win out and go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl, I'm sorry, that's that's a long laugh. Go to the playoffs. I hope that that's that's the the environment you get. But I just thought it was funny. It's like, like now you're you're acting like these the players should be like, yeah, I know you were against us, but now it's like, yeah, we're we're good. Let's do it. I don't know. I just think it's funny. Uh, to, to me, the biggest thing is as much as for the fans, at least that if they want to believe this team has quit on Dennis Allen. The players have shown have. multiple times from last year and this season. That's not the case. They play hard for him. They do have pride. And yeah, I, I love what you're saying there. That was kind of like a turning point that, that, you know, uh do or die moment. Maybe it's like, what, what team are we really going to be? Are we going to le- let this team, the lions just run all over us and get embarrassed and mail it in the rest of the way. Or are we going to stand up and do something about it? And yeah, much respect to all the the leaders on this squad. Nobody's giving up here, including players, coaches, whatever. The Saints ain't quitting, folks. <laughs> yeah, we went we went into the locker room last week, and one of the things that happened this past week, and, and Mickey Loomis confirmed this, Dennis Allen confirmed this, is you know, and initially it was that Dennis Allen was the was the kind of impetus behind it, but I think it was actually Demario, based on what Mickey said, is he challenged the veterans, yeah. and I don't know who purchased the gas cans. But there was these red gas cans at everyone's locker. And it was like kind of like, okay, how much gas do you have in the tank? Right? Kind of like visual aid. I don't know. Like teams like to do that no, kind right. of corny stuff. Sean Payne would do that. It's corny unless it works and then it's motivational, right? Right. And you know, I think what the performance you saw against the Giants was a good indicator that especially from DeMario, like if you're gonna throw that gauntlet down, you better come out and deliver. And he did. And he set the tone and and like that that performance more than anything else. Like I thought the offense played well in that game, but like the way the defense played was inspired. And I just thought so. One thing that happened that was funny in the locker room is uh, Landon Young is just this country dude, right? 
a guy who I'm sure, you know, has uses a lot of gas on his, I don't know, whatever ranch he grew up on, right? Like, I just assume he grew up on a ranch somewhere. Uh, <laughs> he walks out of the locker room. So everyone has them, but I'm sure not everyone has the need for a, like a, like a, this, like a gas tank. He walks out of the locker room. He's carrying like six of them. <laughs> like, he just like loaded up with these like um, portable gas tanks. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. But like that's the message that was given throughout this team uh, last week. And it they delivered. And now you have a chance to go deliver on that again. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to take an inspired performance to go out west and be the Rams team that's playing well, that has a really good offense. I think their defense is kind of suspect. I think they force turnovers. But other than that, I don't know what they do well. Um, Aaron Donald's obviously very good. You're going to need it again. And so, yeah, I, I, I just think like, to me, you look at it and you say, you're, you're, you're making it, you, you have the choice. You have the choice for how you are going to, how you are going to approach this final three games from, from a support perspective, from a, uh, do I want to have a good time watching this team play perspective? Yeah. Right. And you have a chance to get excited about something, you know, uh, and it's like, if you don't, that's on you. That's that's kind of how I'm how I'm approaching it, and uh, that's it. That's the end of my sermon. But and I, I think yeah. we've talked about it too plenty of times. Players and coaches ain't playing for draft picks right now. No, they're playing to win games, man. <laughs> playing to win games. Um, and speaking of winning games, let's go through the injury report. Yeah, um, just kind of what we're looking at as we head into that what, that week sixteen matchup against the Rams, right? And you know, the, again, we don't have the final injury report yet. Because that's going to come out like right before the team takes off, and I have to be on that plane, so it's not like I could. We can record this afterward. Yeah, the Saints wouldn't mind you live broadcasting from their plane. Yeah, I don't think they would be huge fans of that. <laughs> but you know, from an injury report perspective, I think the Saints are in pretty good shape, right? So the only DMPs that you had on Tuesday, which you know, still not a real practice, it's a walkthrough. So you're getting an estimated injury report effectively. But so Isaiah Foskey, Lonnie Johnson, not a huge surprise. Not having Isaiah Foskey is very frustrating, but you know it's it's kind of like you're you're where you are where you 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 are where you are with that. He tried to come back from that quad injury, clearly re-aggravated it, and it's you know I, I'd be surprised if you get him back. But he's not on IR, so like that would indicate that you think he's going to come back. Um, the other DMP that that is actually a concern, and I actually think it's going to be a surprise if he plays, is Ryan Ramchek. Um, he didn't play last week. He's and, and like I, I have said this. I have some serious concerns about like the long term ability of him to play through his contract because he's a uh, you know what is he thirty? You know he's he's getting to that point where you know the 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 health kind of creeps up on you. And he's already off every Wednesday, right? It's like right. So You've been managing that knee all season long, and you are now missing games because of it. Yes. And it's again, like I said, this. I asked Dennis Allen if this was like an injury. And he said, not really. It's just like kind of this culmination, this accumulative burden on that knee. Yeah. And it's like, and I almost think like they're kind of trying to play it so he can get it some time off and maximize it. And maybe those last two weeks you can get him back. But that's not a good thing. You've invested a lot of money in Ryan Ramchick. And he's supposed to be your star yeah. right tackle. And if you're not dealing with, you're not even dealing with an injury. Like Tehran would miss time, but it was because he like broke his elbow and shit like that. Like, like this is just a, this is just not good. And so, right, wear and tear. Hopefully, right. So it's like because you're gonna have that every season. Like if now you're looking at a guy who you don't think can make it through a full season, he's under contract for three more years, and you're on the hook for a lot of money. And you don't really have, you know, it's like 
Landon Young, I think, has played well, and and, I, and I'm happy to see that he's performing well. But oh, gosh, like you're already kind of at a deficit with Trevor Penning because you know, while I don't think you quit on him yet, you know, it's obviously not gone the way you would hoped. He's on he's the field goal units. Yeah, right. He's on the like. He's not even the backup. Not even the backup. Nope. That's wild. And so, like, that's that's concerning me. So, anyway, I, I I'd be surprised if he plays because I think you're setting the stage for him not playing if you aren't even able to get him practicing limited in a walkthrough. So that's one thing. But there is good news. Chris Olave, Kendra Miller both returned. Chris Olave, I think, is certainly going to play unless he has a setback of any kind with that ankle, which I don't know what kind of setback you would have. He's, they're not really practicing to have a setback. Right. Um, he's going to keep getting rehab, but I think he's going to go. And the question is, is he on a pitch count and what is it? I think he will be on a pitch count just like Rashid was last week, but having him out there at all is obviously a bonus. The other guy who came back that I don't expect him to play this week is Kendra Miller. He has, this is his first practice since week nine. And so, you know, it's almost, I almost look at it kind of like Peyton Turner, like Peyton Turner has been practicing. He's limited. Yeah. I was going to bring that up too. Right. He's coming back from IR. And so it's going to like just being just practicing is not a sign that you're ready to play when you've been out that long. And Kendra Miller, you know, they didn't put him on IR, but he's been out more than four weeks. Like, so I think they're getting him back this week kind of so that they can hopefully have him back week 17, week 18. But, you know, I heard a lot of people like I saw some reports saying that he was shut down for the season when they signed James Washington. And I was like, that's not right. Not accurate. Yeah, like the there's just like in incorrect injury updates because like getting him back, you know, people are saying, well, he didn't do anything. He's been their only explosive play running back this season. Like not not exaggerating. And Alvin's been good. Alvin's been very good. But there's only been two plays of 30 plus yards from running backs this season. Kendra has both of them. One was week five against the Patriots uh, on kind of a screen pass. And one was week nine against the Bears on a screen pass. And that's the play he got injured on. So I was going like, to say what's, what's interesting too there, both are on receptions. It wasn't even a, a true running play. Right. Well, I just think like he adds an element that you kind of can incorporate in your offense and he's blocked pretty well. Right. And so, yeah. it, you know, if it was final two weeks, if you end up with an injury, you really do need like you, having that extra body is valuable. So that's a good sign. Obviously, you mentioned Peyton. He's still kind of working back from the toe injury, uh, but, you know, he, he's not playing this week. He hasn't been ret- he hasn't returned to practice, but I think he's another guy who maybe some reinforcements on the pass rush over the final couple of weeks of the season. The interesting, and this is the last note I have, Cam Jordan. He's been limited with an ankle injury, and I talked to him a bit about that injury yesterday in the locker room. And so he his initial injury was a shin injury suffered against Atlanta. It was a shin injury, but it's kind of on that fringe. It was like the, the you know like the, the ligament or whatever, or your knee and your, your your ankle and your shin, it's kind of on the border of a ankle injury. So they went with ankle injury. It's like at a certain point, your ankle is your shin, right? Like it kind of just, so it's right there. But he also compounded that the next week with a low ankle sprain. So he is still significantly limited. And I asked Dennis Allen, you know, how much of Cam's role right now is the injury versus things just working the way you wanted with a limited role in terms of he's a rundowns player right now. And he said, you know, like he, he indicates like, yeah, a lot of it is based on what can you do. And right now that, that ankle injury is still significantly limiting him as he tries to get up the field and kind of get that bend 
around. So like, he's not a he's not a good option on pass downs, and it's and it's part in part because Zach Bond has been playing well, and so you can get away with that. Um, but also like that injury, it's like if you think like he's just kind of you know old and not like he's playing through a significant ankle injury right now. And so like, that's, I am curious to see what happens when he is back to full health. Although I don't know if that's going to be this season. I think this is just going to be one of those things that he deals with. And fortunately for the saints, you've been able to find a solution in Zach Vaughn that is effective. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think he's, I think he is dealing with much a much more significant injury than a lot of people realize. Definitely sad when your Iron Man is, you know, not as untouchable as he once was. Well, but no, but this is why he's an Iron Man. Yo, he's he just playing, plays through it. He's playing through an injury that I guarantee you would shut down a lot of players. Probably, right? right? Because he takes pride in that, and he's just, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes, and he's... He called himself kind of a player coach, right? Like he's had to be. Um, and like I talked to him about, like there was a clip of him on the the mic mic'd up package where he was kind of working with Zach Vaughn on like his like hand placement and release and kind of how to get under. Um, and like that's kind of how he is in, in, uh, impacting games despite being very limited. Um, but I also think you know having him as a rundowns player is valuable because that's always been his best skill. He, he's the Saints leader in sacks, the Saints career leader in sacks. But his best skill has always been a rundowns defensive as, as a rundowns defensive end. Um, and, you know, when you come out of a game holding Saquon Barkley to under two yards per carry, you know, that's it, especially considering it's been an area that has seriously impacted this team's ability to win. You know, that's a, that's a good sign. I asked him, well, what went well? And he's like, we just got the job done. Like we did it. We knew we could do it. We just played better. And that's kind of what Colin said as well after the game, Colin Saunders. And um, that's that's it. That's the end of the injury report. On the on the Rams side, there's really not a ton to talk about. Right. You know, Trey Tomlinson and Joe Noteboom are the two DMPs. They had four of the guys on the injury report. All were full participants. So tackle Rob Havenstein, defensive back Akeo Weatherspoon, wide receiver Tutu Atwell, running back Ronnie Rivers, which – Ronnie Rivers it kind of sounds like a used car salesman. Hey, so Ronnie like, Rivers. Ronnie Rivers, uh, Mitsubishi and Cadillac. You know, Come on down. I don't know if there's any Mitsubishi Cadillac dealers, but you get the idea. <laughs> like, we'll get you rolling today. Come see Ronnie Rivers. Yeah, double R. Yeah. Uh, the, the the question now is, what, what kind of motivation this team going to find for going out west on this short week? I know you said Landon Young took all the gas cans, so what's what's next up to inspire? I don't know. Maybe Landon Young has a cookout. I, <laughs> I do appreciate Landon Young. I, I really do. I, he is, he's a very funny guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of personality and then that accent, you know, it, yeah. Uh, I talked to him about Lynn Bowden and cause they were teammates at Kentucky. And it's just like, there's that energy that's around the team that like you, you lose when things are going badly, but when, you know, it's like you can get on a roll. Right. And we've talked about this, um, when you can string wins together, when you can win three, four, or five games in a row, you make the postseason. That's just what happens. When you can't, when you can only get these two game winning streaks, three games right. even, you, you don't, you know, you make life so much more difficult on yourself. And if the Saints can't find a way to win four, maybe five games in a row, I don't think they make the playoffs. So this is where you are. And, you know, like they're, uh, we don't have to talk about the atmosphere in the, in the building because yeah. I assure you that the, you know, the Rams fans are not going to be particularly loud because they never are because there right. aren't that many of them. 
Not nobody on the bandwagon. Uh, nope. And it's going to rain. It never rains in South Southern LA, but it's supposed to rain this weekend. So we're going to, it's probably going to be raining in that building again because <laughs> Southern California decided we're going to build an indoor football stadium that worth billions rains inside. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you mentioned that too. It's like you, you got to win, string some wins together. It's really wild when you look at even the AFC too, but the NFC, the standings, uh, with three games left to go, how many 500 teams there are uh, right now? And I can't, you know, obviously Saints fans aren't happy with 500, but you look at the rest of the league, and uh, you know, I don't want to say they're on par with a lot of the the rest of the the ball clubs in this in the NFC, but it's been a really weird and down season. I feel like. Yeah, and uh, you know that's it's a good segue because that's a big part of what myself and Charlie talked about the Saints Hour last night. So uh, we could we'll get into that, you know, and and yeah, like uh, one of the things that was funny is I watched that Seahawks game, the Seahawks Eagles game, and I I wasn't even thinking about the standings. I was just like, wow, it'd be pretty cool if Drew Locke drove for thirty ninety three yards and threw a game winning touchdown to Jackson Smith and Jigba here, and that's I I, I didn't think that exactly, but you know that's what he did. And and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then I looked and I was like, son of a bitch. Damn this it. This was bad. <laughs> like, the Saints would have been way better off if the Seahawks had lost because now the Seahawks are 7-7. Seven and seven. They'll have a better conference record and they have three games left against teams that they should beat. So in terms of like the wild card, if the Saints do end up having to go, so say they beat the Rams this week and then lose to the Bucks and beat the Falcons, right? End up 9-8, and eight, don't win the NFC South. There's still a wild card in play, but that Seahawks sure. win really damaged that because now it's like, well, crap. You know, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's funny. We talked about that. So let's let's close out this segment. Um, we're going to come back, play that, and then we'll get into X-Factors to close out the show. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. I'm going to be flying out to LA. He's going to be hanging around here doing his thing. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Uh, if you can follow me at Jeff underscore Nowak, you can follow him at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod, and you can check out the latest news notes and analysis at WWL.com. Who that? We will be right back. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Jeff Nowak, Steve Geller. But Steve's going to take a break. He's going to go get a cup of coffee. And I'm going to bring in Charlie Long, our what I would consider to be one of our greatest untapped resources. <laughs> like He's always got really interesting insight and, and, and notes and stats. Um, and uh, I feel like we don't talk to him enough. So I'm glad I was able to catch up with him on the Saints Hour last night, filled in for Mike Haas. And we kind of broke down the Saints road to the playoffs, you know, what they have left, what the NFC is looking like, kind of what we got into it in the last segment toward the end. And then we also kind of went into some some dark horse players for the final three games and who who you're looking at, who could end up, who could step up that maybe not a lot of people are talking about. Um, and so we get into that and uh, here it is. A few things I want to talk about here. You know, I think there's some few things we can get into. I know, Charlie, we were talking before I came on about, man, the NFC standings. They are, I want to say they're a mess, but they're actually very, very condensed. They're very simple to look at. There's a lot of seven and seven teams. You got seven and seven, uh, six and eight, five and nine. There's a whole pack of teams right now. There's going to be at least three playoff teams among them, and the best record of that group is 7-7. Seven and seven. So let me actually 
get the number on this, and so I have it perfect, because out of the 16 teams in the NFC, there are currently seven of them that are either 7-7 seven and seven or 6-8. and eight. Five of them are 7-7, seven and seven. so yeah. as you said, very condensed in the middle of the pack, uh, which if you do the math on that, and give me just a second, is 43% of the teams in the NFC are currently right da- uh, smack dab <laughs> in the middle, 7-7 seven and seven or 6-8, and eight, guys. So you're looking at the Bucks leading the way at the fourth seed right now because they're leading the NFC South. And we'll go over all these schedules as well because I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of look at which of these teams are going to be moving up and down the ladder, so to speak. The Vikings are seven and seven. The Rams are seven and seven. Those are those three teams in those three playoff spots, as you were mentioning, Jeff. And then there are four teams that are kind of in the hunt still. These I'm not really counting Chicago and and um, I think the Giants are both right. five and nine. I Mathematically, think they're, they're still alive, but when you see that many teams at seven and seven, exactly. it's like virtually impossible. Even if they did get to, eight it's and nine. like a one percent chance for one of those teams right. to potentially sneak in. So I'm not really counting them. We got uh, currently sitting outside of the playoff picture, but still in the hunt. The Seahawks at seven and seven, the Saints at seven and seven, the Falcons and the Packers both at six and eight. So Jeff, we, we kind of talked about this segment how we wanted to do it. I wanted to look at these schedules for the final three weeks for yeah. all of these teams, all seven of these teams. You're looking at the Bucks. They go. Uh, they actually come home for back-to-back games against the eight and six Jacksonville Jaguars. Then the seven and seven Saints, obviously next week, and then they uh, wrap up the season at Carolina, two and twelve. You and I were both talking about it. You can't really expect Carolina to do it twice. It was a miracle <laughs> yeah. last week that they beat you know Atlanta. Yeah, I think you're looking at. You know, Tampa Bay feeling pretty good about this schedule. Yeah, and I think that Jags game is really the only chance you have left to to kind of plug a loss on them. I mean, anyone can stumble and lose a game, but I think you got the you got the gift from the Panthers Correct. that you can expect to get the Christmas gift of the what was it nine to seven win yes. over the Falcons and Desmond Ritter has, was a big part of that. You know, and uh, that's a, that, see that's like when the Saints played the Panthers last week. And I was like, this is an iceberg. And if you hit it, bad things happen. And the Saints steered around it. The Falcons, the Falcons they went right, into, right it. into it. I mean, and, that, that interception that Ritter threw, and oh. then it was followed up by you know a 90-yard drive that ended up yeah. finishing the game on a game-winning chip-shot field goal for the Panthers. I mean, that was as ugly as it gets. But Carolina gave the Saints a gift, yes. and now the Falcons are definitely on the outside Six looking and in. Eight. Yeah, they still have a chance, right, because they have the head-to-head game against the Saints. So if... But they can't stumble. They, they, can't, they, they can't stumble, they can, they but they do have the loss. ability to hand the Saints another loss, which means that if, for example, the Jag- the Jaguars do beat the Bucks, and the Falcons can get to 9-8, and eight, you're kind of looking at that as, okay, they're going to win the tiebreaker against the Saints. So it could still come down to that Week 18 game. Yeah. The, you're feeling confident that Tampa Bay at least reaches eight wins because yeah. of that Carolina game. Now, what happens, the question mark is Jacksonville and New Orleans. If they stumble to Jacksonville, then the Saints have the potential to seal the NFC South if they beat both L.A. and then win in Week 17 against uh, the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, we got the six-seeded Vikings, 7-7. Seven and seven. They are in trouble. They are in deep trouble because (laughs) that 14-point lead that they blew against Cincinnati, I mean, they have the tiebreaker over the Saints. They won that game head-to-head, but they played Detroit twice in these final three games. And Detroit, we're just seeing what they did to Denver just this past weekend. Uh, But in between those games, they also have Green Bay. I think Green Bay is in a similar spot as the Falcons where they need to win out, get to a 9-8 record, and potentially have a shot to make the playoffs Uh, just because there's so many teams that you expect to finish with nine wins. Yeah, and the the Saints, you know, they did themselves no favors in terms of they're not going to win a lot of tiebreakers. Like a lot of the teams that they're like, they lost to the entire NFC North, right? Like that's these are teams that are factors in that. The I mean, the Lions are you know they they have a tough closing schedule too. But I mean, the Vikings, the Packers, they're in this conversation. The game that 
I didn't think about it while it was going on because last night I was rooting for the Seahawks to come back and, you know, for Drew Locke to get that game-winning drive. Then afterwards I thought about it and I was like, man, the Saints would have been much better off with the Seahawks losing that game. Yeah. Because it's just another team and you look at it and like, so if the Saints can't win the NFC South, you know, and that's that's a, the most straightforward road. If I'm the Saints, I'm not even considering a wild card. But in the interest of this discussion, if you do end up not winning the NFC South, and looking at it and saying, how do you get into the playoffs as a wild card? Well, you're four and five in the NFC. And if you lose another game, you're four, you're going to end up at best, what, six and six in the NFC, right? I, I want to say that a win against, and, and I mean, the guys were talking with Scott Chanley about this in the last hour, but if I think a win against LA skyrockets their chances at, if you don't oh, win the South, right, right. you're. You have to win that to game. Be a wild card team. In terms of the wild card, this is a must win game. Yeah, if I you agree. lose this game, you are not winning the wild card. So let's look at the Rams schedule. They're the seventeen. Well, wait, wait, right well, now. Well, I just want to. So I just want to close that off. So the Seahawks schedule. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, their closing schedule. So you want you want to look at that first? Yeah, just because that what I'm saying is like you really wanted the Seahawks to lose to the Eagles because you look at their closing schedule and it's tough to see a loss in that where they maybe go to the Titans. Pittsburgh, maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe like five and Pittsburgh. Tennessee, seven and seven Pittsburgh. But that's in. Arizona. In Seattle, right. and then Arizona. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that should feel like it's got a good chance to finish 10-7. and seven. It's the Seahawks. The and issue with the Seahawks is that their closing schedule is easy because they already play the tough part of their schedule. They had, right. a, like, a brutal five-week stretch, which is, I mean, they lost a lot of those games. That's why they're in this position. Yeah. They started out the year well. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Beating Philadelphia... I don't want to say it books them a playoff spot, but it makes them a lot more likely to be one of those wild card squads. Well, and so like here's the thing: if they lose to the Steelers and win the other two games, they're going to be seven and five in conference. So that's not helpful to the Saints because if for that to come into play, for the wild card to come into play for the Saints, they're going to have to lose a game. So the best they can get to is nine and eight. So if the Seahawks win those three games, it guarantees them a spot. So I just think that was it actually a big loss or a big result. It, as a negative for the Saints, that I, yeah. in real time I was like, oh man, I'm, this is fun. To us. Yeah. Oh man. So looking at the Rams schedule, though, once again, this game is huge because after that, the Rams go to New York. We just saw what New York, the product that they put on the field. I think the Rams would definitely be favored in that game. And then they wrap up the season at San Francisco. But if you're San Francisco and you're seeing, I mean, you already own the tiebreaker over Philly or Dallas, which are really the only two teams that are competing for maybe that one seed with you. If you're San Francisco, I mean, are you resting starters in Week 18? So I, I, don't want, I don't want to say that that game would be an automatic loss, so to speak, just because it's San Francisco. San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. But looking at that schedule for the Rams, it's a manageable schedule for them as well. So if, I mean, on the Rams side of things, they're thinking the same thing. If we can win this game against the Saints, you're looking at a pretty a manageable game, at least, against the Giants and potentially a, a San Francisco team resting their starters. That's a playoff spot that could be booked for them as well. I agree with that. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just, you know, if you're the Saints, you don't, again, like I said, you don't want to be looking at this and saying, how can we get in as a wild card? Because this is your division to win. Oh, yeah. Win, win three straight and you, you got the South handed to you. But it's got to be like this, like when you say like this week, this Thursday night game is huge. It's a must win. It is. Oh, yeah. Like it's easy to look at those final two games against the division opponents and say, well, those are the important games, but they're not. Like, because if you don't win this game, then you lose all of the ability to control where you go. And you're you're stuck sitting there on Christmas Eve, you know, yelling, Duval! Yo, yeah. <laughs> because you desperately need a Jaguars win. And, you know, that's I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to play in that game. He's dealing with a concussion. We've seen, you know, Derek Carr obviously got through the concussion protocol in one week, but it's not a guarantee. And so if you're talking C.J. Beathard in that game, 
uh, advantage Bucks, right? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, we've seen Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he did it to, uh, to, to the Saints. I mean, when he was kind of not 100% with a leg injury, he comes back. Concussion protocol, I understand, yeah. is different. Right. But at the same time, I, I think I would be hopeful that Trevor Lawrence would be playing in that game. The line keeps kind of shifting, and it's, it's saying that they – Aren't uns- they're uncertain because obviously not much has come out about it. It's pretty kept it's kept close to vest, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean you got to be big Jacksonville fans this upcoming weekend. Well, and because- what I, and what I'll say about that is too is you look at it and you say, well, the Jags don't have any wiggle room whatsoever either. Yeah. So if it's like you know if there is a thing where you kind of push it and you stretch it out to the weekend because you desperately need they've lost three straight. They are in a three way tie at eight and six in With the-, the Texans and the Colts. Yeah, in the AFC South, and so like that's a huge game for them. So they're going to be motivated. It's not like they. Like you're talking about the 49ers, the final four weeks of the season. Who knows what kind of team you get if you're pretty much locked into the top Correct. seed and you've already clinched the division. But the Jaguars are nowhere near that. They're going to go. It's a, it's a kind of an in-state rivalry. It's kind of like a college rivalry, right? It's the state of Florida fighting itself. Um, so that's yeah. going to be a game. So ultimately, like I, I think our points in this entire thing: three and zero, you win the South. You're in as the four seed. Two and one, there's still a chance that you could win the South if things kind of shake out your way, so to speak. Like if you go two and one. Uh, and you win the next two games, and you lose to Atlanta in the final week of the season, but you have Tampa Bay lose to Jacksonville, or I guess even Carolina in this scenario, then you still win the South because you get that win over Tampa Bay, and that's the biggest one of the season. So, I mean, 2-1 and one either gets you potentially the South, potentially a wild-card berth, 3-0 and o books your, wild, your, your NFC South appearance in your four seed and the NFC playoff pitcher. So, okay. so, yeah, and I, and I mean, if you're a Saints fan and you're like, hey – you got a playoff game on Thursday, right? Like that's how you should look at Every it. Every single one of these games is a playoff game. You know, one other thing I'll throw your way, and I've been I've been thinking about this for a while, and it drives me nuts because so geographically, right? We can all agree that Dallas is in the South. Dallas is a Southern team, right? Yeah. And we could probably say that the Panthers are an Eastern team, right? Like we could say that. You could say the Falcons okay. are even an Eastern. team. You could team. say that, but but the Falcons I mean, are you know yeah. it's Georgia. It's a little further south, south right, right? Right. So if you are looking at this geographically and saying where should the Cowboys be? Right? Shouldn't it be the, the the NFC South? It's kind of like the NBA and how like they have all the Texas teams right. scu- like cluttered together with Memphis and New Orleans. But and then the only reason I bring this up is because you look at the NFC standings and if if you just did what geographically made sense and you had the Cowboys in the South and the Panthers in the in the in the East, then you would have an incredibly balanced set. You would have a ten win team in every division, and you wouldn't have a instead the East is a dogfight. Yeah, instead the East is a dogfight, and then you have the South with you know a bunch of uh, five hundred teams in it. Yeah, well, there you go. But, I mean, just looking at it, just to sum up all this rambling that we've just done yeah. about the NFC teams that are just middle of the pack right now, 7-7 seven and seven or 6-8, and eight, the Saints, you win out, you book that NFC uh, South spot, you're the four seed in the playoff pitcher. But if you go 2-1, and one, you still have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs as a wildcard team. It's a mess, and the Saints are right there in the middle of it. I can't. I would. I couldn't be happier. Oh, right, NFL, I mean, right the NFL now. loves this stuff. But all it's, right, it's this, great. This is the Saints Hour on the New Orleans Saints Radio Network. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Charlie Long. We're going to come back and talk about some dark horses who could impact the final three games. Stick around. We're talking Saints football as the black and gold get ready for a Thursday night football battle with the Rams. Out in L.A., thanks for joining myself, Jeff Nowak, filling in for Mike Haas here on the Saints Hour. Also got Charlie Long behind the glass and at Master Controls on the New Orleans Saints 
radio network. And I do want to talk about some, you know, we talk, we spent a lot of time talking about the usual suspects. We talk about Derek Carr. We talk about Chris Olave. We talk about Alvin Kamara. But I want to talk about this last segment, just some, some dark horse players that I think could play a pretty significant role in the final three games. And just to kind of call out some names, because this is the time of year where, you know, you're a young player. You're not a rookie anymore, right? You, you, you've got a much bigger workload, you've got a lot more trust in you than you might have had in weeks five, six, ten even. Um, and so, so Charlie, is there anyone that sticks out to you? I know who I, mine up. Is there anyone who sticks out to you in that kind of frame, either on offense or defense? Uh, yeah, if we're kind of going for the dark horses, so to speak, like kind of the underdog names, I, I think last week's performance by the offensive line was fantastic, and specifically you can highlight Landon Young. I mean, Ryan Ramchek, and we've talked about this uh, on the show multiple times, that you know it feels like every week he's kind of on the injury report because he's getting yeah. rest days, he's, he's dealing with some some knee issues and stuff like that, but he's played through it. A lot of the time. And the fact that he missed that game against the Giants, I think, surprised a lot of people. But Landon Young stepped in and he played a great game against a really good Giants defensive front that we had highlighted all the entire week prior, talking about like Dexter Lawrence and Ojolari and just some of the guys that they had up front that can really wreck games if you let them. But the offensive line was fantastic. The one kind of sack that Derek Carr had was a running back protection breakdown, so to speak. Um, So Landon Young. If Ryan Ramchek is not allowed to go this upcoming week on a short week against you know the Rams, which I think we kind of both anticipate that happening, uh, just given what we've seen from so far the injury report, where both the first two days, I mean they haven't had a practice, they had a walkthrough and then a projection on Monday. He was listed as a DNP in both of them. So yep. you know we'll see ultimately tomorrow what happens. Like if he practices in a limited capacity, that's a good sign. But even if he can't go, I thought Landon Young was great, and I'd expect him to have another nice game against the Rams. Yeah, and I have a little concern about Ryan long term because he's not really dealing with an injury. That's the my understanding of what he's dealing with is it's kind of just a bulky knee. But I do agree with you 100%. I got the chance to catch up with Landon Young in the locker room after the game. And one thing that I've been impressed with, not only was he able to step in at right tackle, if you go back a few weeks ago, Andres Pete goes out of the game, and he's in there at left tackle. And, you know, so that ability to, to jump across the line, that is very, very helpful. It's the reason James Hurst has been here, because he yeah. has that ability. And I, I asked Landon if he has leaned on James, and he has. Like, James gives him, I think he calls it tips and tails. He's got that kind of Kentucky slang yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, kind of giving him that, the, you know, he's a very useful guy to lean on because it is difficult. You ask any lineman, going from right to left is not an easy thing to do. And for him to be able to do that and have that ability in the middle of the week, he didn't find out he was going to start until Saturday. Right. So to have that kind of ability to get those reps and to just pick it up, I think that's, you know, he's not your first choice, right? Obviously. But to have a guy that you trust is, is very valuable. It's quality depth. I mean, that's what yep. you need, and specifically on the offensive line, the most injured position in football. Like, you need good quality depth, and Landon Young, I think, provided that, and he proved that he could do that in that game against the Giants. I so agree with who you. you got, Jeff? I got Mr. A.T. Perry, a Torian Perry, the big man, you know, who's been playing big time. He's been, he's been going to him in big moments, and if you the last three weeks in particular— you know, you you went to him on a third and long. I think it was third and seventeen in the game against the Lions. You went to, you went to him for a for a shot play against the Panthers. It was forty four yards. You went to him again at third and third and sixteen. He converted on that against uh, who'd they just beat the Giants. And then you know you went to him in the end zone and he forced a pass interference. And so to me, that trust is building between he and Derek Carr. And, you know, you can kind of work past that weird thing that happened in the Falcons game where he kind of thought he false started and forgot to run the route or whatever. Uh, but I asked Derek Carr about that today, and I, I thought his answer was good. Yeah, I, I definitely trust him. You know, uh, 
I can promise you throughout my career, if, if I throw the ball in your direction, especially in some critical moments, then you know I trust you. And you, you, and they've earned that, you know. And AT is someone that has earned that. He's he's earned those opportunities. He, he continues to make plays for us, um, you know, down the field, situationally. Um, you know, the one in the red zone. You know, he's about to go up and you know, I think catch it. You know, uh, being positive, <laughs> and he gets a PI. Great first down. Uh, you know, so to so to call on his number and for coaches to have him in certain spots for hey, just in case this ball may be going to you or this may be going to you. Um, that says a lot too. Uh, you know, even if the ball doesn't go there, he could be the primary and they could take it away. So uh, he's earned that right, and uh, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about his future because uh, throwing to a guy that big and that strong and that physical uh, is always fun for a quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about a team that doesn't have Mike Thomas right now. You're talking about a team that you know it, be, it does seem like Chris Olave is trending in the right direction to play on Thursday, but who, he's probably going to be on a pitch count, right? Rashid Shahid is still coming off that injury. I think he was on a bit of a pitch count last week, and so I think he'll still continue to see his role in, in, in increase. But you know, At is a guy who is a X factor in very specific ways in that. You, you can't guard six five in certain in certain areas. Like you can just put it up and let him go get it. And that's that's just, the Jimmy Graham effect, exactly, right? exactly. And just if you trust that guy and you can go to him in third and sixteen, you can just put it somewhere he can go get it and he can make a play for it. And you trust him to do that. That's huge. So over these final three weeks, I have I have high hopes for him in big moments to step up. Yeah, another kind of depth piece that you're hoping can step up with increased reps. I mean, they're going to ask him to play more reps while Michael Thomas is on the IR. Uh, and as you say, Chris Olave kind of up in the air about his availability, kind of the same thing. Rashid played, but, you know, he was on a pitch count. I don't think it's going to increase that much this upcoming week. So I agree with you, Jeff. I think that A.T. Perry is definitely one to watch. Yeah, and, I mean, these games are going to be fun. It's a playoff atmosphere. and uh, Every single one of these games is a playoff game for the Saints. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, good stuff from Charlie Long and that other guy. Uh, as always, like like you said, you know, one of the players that, that I'm excited to see and I've been excited about the last few weeks in terms of how he's come along, you know, A.T. Perry didn't get on the field until, what, week nine, week 10? And he didn't get his first NFL catch until week 10 against the Vikings, right? And I just think he's a guy who, you know, you, you weren't sure what you were going to get about or you were going to get from, you know, in the early on in camp. I wasn't sure if he was going to make the roster, right? Like he was very inconsistent. Um, his hands weren't there. Like he, he dropped way too many balls. And I think he's just a guy who's gotten better and better and better. And, you know, it's not easy to convert third and 16, third and 17. But (laughs) when you do, when you can make those plays, like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know There's value, there's percentage values on plays. Right. And the ability when you, when a team gets you in third and 16, they are off the field. They can, they like, they, they have won that possession. And then, and you, you, that's basically a turnover for the defense when they can't get you to punt or kick a field goal when they get third and 13 or longer. And two of the last three weeks, the saints have been able to convert on, I think it was a third and 16 and a third and 17 throwing to AT Perry. And so, you know, like that's just the ability to just trust that guy and throw it where he can go get it. I think that that's a big difference in this offense, particularly when you don't have Michael Thomas. Um, exactly so, right. Yeah, that, we, that's, we, kind of, we kind of thought of him. I feel like as the the baby Michael Thomas coming into this season, if someone that uh, if if things went wrong could end up being that guy to make those contested catches with his frame and everything. And 
Uh, right now, yeah, I, I think he's been having a solid rookie season. Definitely been picking it up uh, the last couple of weeks and being more used more, which is obviously uh, giving him uh, more chances to shine. Yeah, I mean, have the Saints really had a big receiver like that since Marcus? I feel like Marcus Colson was the last one. Like a 6'5 receiver that you can – I don't know. Well, how tall was Marcus? I don't think he was 6'5", but he was tall. Like, I don't know if they've had a guy like that on the outside that they could trust. You know, Brandon Coleman was a big dude. Yeah, Marcus was 6'4", so yeah, I think that's probably the last one. And a lot of people compared him to Marcus when he came in, and that's fair because Marcus also had a slow start to his first uh, training camp. Um, but, like, I think that's kind of the, what you're hoping for with him, right? Yeah, uh, a guy that I'm I'm praying we see more from down the stretch is Jamal Williams just because yeah. I feel like there was a lot of expectations brought here as that short yardage guy. And, man, I, let's, let's uncap the uh, the touchdown scoring and get him at least going right now. It's, it's just one. been a long, hard season for him in black and gold. Yeah, let's get him at least one. Let's, I just want to see that guy in the end zone. He's playing. He's been playing better the last few weeks. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, you know, uh, so hopefully I, I agree with you. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. Thanks again to Charlie Long for for helping out. And we will be coming back on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to hear from Mark Slareth. Get some interesting insight on this matchup and what the Saints should be looking to do when they go out west. And then we'll get into X Factors to close out the show as we always do. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowacki. Steve Geller. Who that? Let's do it. We're back on Inside Black and Gold. Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Saints getting ready to shoot out West. But do they want it to be a shootout? Mm. No. Steve, have you ever been to SoFi? No, I've not done SoFi at all. It sucks. I don't like it. This will be your second trip already, huh? Second trip this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like it. I don't think it's a very nice stadium. It's just this really expensive stadium that was built That's to look shame. good. I, it's like, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough to describe, but it's like, it's very expensive, <laughs> but the expense seemed to be put into making it look fancy rather than actually being comfortable or nice. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But typical LA seems like we'll make it yeah. look good, but yeah. not functional. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about aesthetics, but it's yes. not like you built a stadium where it rains inside. Right. Yeah. And and it seems like you're in for more of that this weekend. Oh, well, this yeah, that it's third supposed day, to huh? rain. It's supposed to rain. But right. at least, you know, I, we haven't had a rain, a rain game since I've been on the sideline, like a real rain game. Like it rains inside, quote unquote, but I don't need to wear a jacket. Right, like it's not that kind of rain. Um, so I've been able to avoid that, thankfully. I'm sure if I do this job long enough, I will not. But I did buy a raincoat just in case. Oh yeah, so, you still got a trip to Tampa coming up where it could rain plenty. This is true. This is <laughs> true, but it won't be cold. So at least there's that. But uh, yeah, and so we we got to catch up with Mark Slareth on on the show this week, and I, I I always I've always thought Mark is very insightful when he calls a lot of these games. He's called Saints games, and uh, he always makes some good points. So. This is what he had to say about, you know, the Saints going out west and, and and playing that game and what they should be trying to do more importantly. And so here's that. It'd be a tough one. I think one of the things that people don't really kind of have a grasp of is, you know, people think you're going to go out to 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 uh, to L.A. and, you know, and get in a shootout, you'll lose. Um, like, that's not how you're going to win that football game. And I got actually from from your former coach now, 
in Denver, he's like, that's, that's not how you do it. You, you go, what is it going to take to win this game? Like, how are we going to get, how are we going to, how are we going to win this game? And one of the things Sean told me a long time ago was you, you never go on the road and try to get in a shootout. You try to, you try to almost win those things ugly, right? You run the ball, you control the tempo of the game, you get the opponent's offense to start counting possessions. So if you can control the tempo, you control the run game, you can control um, the time of possession, you know, all of a sudden you get in deep into the second quarter and, and the other offense has had three possessions. And a normal game is about 12 possessions, and they may get one more in that, in that first half. And so you're going, well, we got four possessions in the first half. If they hold us to another four possessions, you know, you're talking about eight possessions. And then you start going, well, we got to score every time. And so that's when you get out of your rhythm, and that's when you get out of your play calling, and that's when you you become one-dimensional. And when you become one-dimensional, that's when the Saints can rush the passer, can blitz the passer, can create a turnover, tip ball, you know, for interception, pick six. Like, that's how you win a game on the road. So you, you never you never sit there and go, hey, we scored a bunch of points a week ago or whatever. Now we're going to go into the Rams, and we're going to run them out of the stadium. That's, that's not how you're going to win this game. So you got to be smart about the way you prep, especially when you go on the road. Makes sense, obviously. Yeah, no, and I think that's that's it's a good point. And then, like, I think the Saints, if they win this game, it's you know you're going to have to score points, right? Like, you're not going to be able to win this game. The like you, the Saints haven't allowed a touchdown in two weeks. The Rams are going to score. Like, this is not going to be that type of game. It's not going to be a thirteen to nine game, right? Like, this is not a game where you're going to go out there and say, okay, if we just don't make any mistakes on offense, we'll win. That said, I agree completely. You cannot allow this Rams team to just go up and down the field on you. And it is an offense that is capable of doing that. You got to yeah. stop the run. You got to keep them in long, third and long. And that's what the Saints did against the Giants as well as I've ever seen mm-hmm. in terms of you not only stop the run, on first down you did it on second down right like they i think the giants were what two of 16 on third down something like that and more at least nine of them were third and seven or longer i think the giants average goal to go on third down was like third and 10 like they were constantly in third and long situations and while you're never going to be perfect in those situations it makes your life so much easier and to me that's like you're talking about the pass rush and it's, it's never just, well, the pass rush is better now than it was. It's you're giving the pass rush opportunities to get after the passer. And, you know, I think Kyron Williams has been good. It's not a guy you look at and be like, we can't stop that guy. Puka Nakua and Cooper cup. You know, I keep calling him like Koopa and Puka. Koopa and Puka. <laughs> sounds Puka. like uh characters in super Mario brothers yes. or something. Yes, it sounds like yeah, like a Cooper Cooper Troopers. Troopers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, but they're good. Tyler Higby's good, right? They have playmakers, and they're and getting Tutu and then, back. They got Tutu back. Koopa, Puka, and Tutu. What is this? What is happening? I don't know. Um, and Kyron, you know, like a lot of. You know what? I I will say, you know, like the beginning of the season, you look at the schedule and everything, and I just remember, you know, like Bobby Abear saying. Oh, the toughest quarterback we have to face this year is Trevor Lawrence. Eh, I, I, shout out to Matthew Stafford because he's having a hell of a season. I, I think we kind of wrote him off a little too soon. There are only four quarterbacks, four active NFL quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl. Can you name wow. them? Well, I guess tec- technically, is Carson Wentz considered active? Or no? 
he didn't start, so I don't give him credit for that. All right, so Stafford. He wasn't Mahomes. active for the Super Bowl. What's that? So, no, he's not. No, he, he's not. He doesn't count. Stafford Mahomes. Think AFC. You should get one. The other one's more difficult. I don't know. Hit me. I don't want to waste everyone's time. Well, Russell Wilson, right. obviously, with the Broncos. The other one is Carson. I'm sorry, not Carson. Uh, <laughs> Joe Flacco. Oh, man. He won it here. Joey Flacco. He won it in New Orleans. Joey, That's yes. very true, right? The Bravens. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, like, and there's a reason Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl. Like, it's not that – it's not like he just, like, rode the bus. <laughs> like, he – Helped drive that team to a Super yes. Bowl. Like he was had a lot of weapons. The bus. Right. And yeah, yeah, he drove the bus. Right. He didn't just ride the bus. <laughs> and there's like, you know, it's funny because I haven't had time to really go through the film on these short weeks. For me personally, all I have time to do is go back and look at key plays and see how they went. And, you know, like there was a play against the Giants where I was like, how did Aziz Ojolari not get there? It was the third and 16 to AT Perry. And you go back and you look, and he did get there. He actually hit Derek Carr's arm as he was throwing, but somehow it almost kind of like the way he hit it, it just kind of like sped up the motion more so than messed with it. So it's like he was throwing it, and then the back of his shoulder, like kind of, or the back of his elbow just got kind of like, so he's like that. But it was still an on-target throw, and it's just kind of funny. Like that's those are the type of plays that I go back and look at. And But there's, a, there's one throw in this game from Matt Stafford. I tweeted it, and, you know, he makes – every now every like at least once or twice a game he makes throws that you're just like oh that's right you're really freaking good (laughs) uh and when he has guys who can go out and make plays on it too and when he's in his bag he is tough to beat and he was in his bag that super bowl season i think he's in his bag right now he's playing really well so we'll it's helped obviously getting cut back in the mix puka's had a heck of a rookie season and yeah like you mentioned with kyron it's like He's not the the most explosive back in the NFL, but man, he's been getting it done for them. And they've got like, I don't even know if Sean McVay has a running back by committee going on, but I feel like they've got tons of running backs over there. I think people also sleep on Tyler Higby. Um, As, yeah, absolutely. And we should. He's not actually a, he's a legitimately good tight end that no one <laughs> talks about. Like he's not great. Like he's not the in the in the George Kittle conversation, right? Uh, you know, like the the Travis Kelsey conversation, but he's very good and he's very sure-handed right. and he makes plays. He had a toe-tapping catch in this game that I saw it and initially I was like, oh, that's probably, it's got to be Cooper Cup. Like, that's not a play a tight end makes. Right. But that's that impressive. was a play that Tyler Higby made. And so that's going to be, it's going to be one to watch. Um, before we, <laughs> before we move on, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about A.T. Perry in that last segment and I did, you know, every, there was a there was that play that he got the uh he got the pass interference called on uh on the Giants defender and Derek Carr told me that he was like oh yeah that I think it would have been caught if if not for the foul and I agree completely because I got a very good look at it because <laughs> it was another play that if I was looking down at my phone I might have lost a limb <laughs> uh, and, and here I want to, I, I clipped it out because I am a narcissist and here you go. That's what you sent me. Cause I was like, what is this play? <laughs> That's me in the back of the end zone. Yeah. Cause I saw the flag being tossed. No, where is you? You don't see me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Standing yeah, up. Yeah. I had to like, cause I was kneeling at the corner of the end zone and then AT <laughs> sprinting directly towards me. And I was like, Oh, and, uh, and you can see it. You know, I can 
give a thumbs up to the ref here and then move on. That's what <laughs> I did. I sent you this, but you know, it's funny. Like, I don't know where it doesn't seem to matter where I stand. Everyone just runs at me. You're a magnet. Yeah. But, uh, this would have been caught, you know? And like, that's the, that's the difference between having a guy that forces the defender to make a play and not. I'm hoping for you that you never have like Tano Passigno running your way. You have to get out the way. That would be much more difficult to do. Yes. <laughs> Um, but all right, let's 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 close this out with X factors. Let's start on defense, and we'll start with you. So, Steve, who is your defensive X factor? Let's hear. It. Definitely want to. I'm going back to that D line again, um, and I'm I've been impressed with what the rookie's been doing, and I want to see more growth from Brian Brzee. Uh, love what he's doing, and getting involved more and more with this uh, pass rush, uh, where I feel like he excels. Definitely. Uh, the run game is something we know he's got to work on, but if you keep that pressure on Stafford, make him uncomfortable because we know he's not going to take off and tuck and run the ball at all. So yeah, you got a, a quarterback staying still, just make his life difficult uh, from everybody. But like I said, I've been really impressed with Brzee and hoping he can keep building on that. Yeah. See, I, I, I think, I, I don't, Think it, I think it's going to be on the secondary in this game. I think this is going to be the most yeah. difficult challenge you've faced in terms of a quarterback who can make elite throws and can and can put dimes on people and yeah, receivers fun. that can get yeah. open and and beat man on man man to man coverage. Right, like you're going to play man to man on the outside and you're going to ask Ike Adam and Paulson Debo to lock up on Cooper Cup and and uh, Puka Nakua and. You know, while, yeah, sure, they'll move guys around. They'll throw guys into the slot. Like, you're going to have to deal with 2-2 in the outside, too. But, like, I think that those matchups, right? Like, how how can Paulson Adebo and Ike Adam fare in when when you got when you got Cooper Cup in third and medium and you just got to lock down and make his life difficult? And if you can do that, then this game is going to be much easier. If Cooper Cup eats and goes off, you know, you can't stack up against the run because you got to send a little extra help to one side or the other. Like to me, that's the X factor, and I, I have, I actually, I feel pretty confident. Like I know Cooper Cup is excellent; he's gonna get, he's gonna get his, but you can't let him take over the game. If he goes ten catches for 160 yards, something like that, the Rams win this game, you know. And and so in big moments, I need Paulson Adebo and Ike Adam to come up big. I need Alante Taylor to play big too. But to me, that's the X factor: is how do the how do the Saints corners cover? Uh, because you know the the Rams offensive line is good; it's not great. But they haven't a lot of ton of sacks this year, and Matt Stafford gets the ball out fast. He gets the ball to the right targets. It processes quickly. So if you can cover, if you can give him, give the defensive line that extra half second, uh, because you're making Matt Stafford hold the ball, pat the ball one extra time. Yeah, you know, it's like he's not going to burp. I think I heard <laughs> someone say that. I heard I can't remember who it was. I think it was whoever called the Ram, whoever called the Falcons game. That they were like Desmond Ritter was just standing there patting the ball. It's like he's not not going to burp. You got to throw it. That was funny. <laughs> but uh yeah like to, to me that's the matchup um and and i, I i'm confident about it i thought like i don't think i get him is a is a mirage i think he's been that good no it's amazing when you look at all the passes defense numbers from the Saints secondary it's been very impressive this year and yeah like you said uh we've talked about it before unfortunately yadam's gonna get paid and i just don't know if it's in new orleans unfortunately that's a problem for next year i'm not, right, I'm not exactly. talking about that right now right now yeah. i want him to earn as big a deal as he can <laughs> make yourself unpayable um Please, make, right make your place so well that there's no way the saints can afford you that's what the saints need right now moving on offense who, who's your x-factor on offense i'm being lazy here i'm going with the old line in general two uh concerns obviously 
no Ram check. I thought they did a hell of a job last week, obviously. Uh, but man, you got, you know, all bets are off when you got Aaron Donald now in the building. Uh, and just in general, I was surprised to see, though, the Rams sack numbers dead even with the Saints. What's up with that? Well, I mean, the Saints sack numbers when, you know, they, they wouldn't be if the Saints didn't have seven sacks last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Bobby I mean, that Pino. helps. I mean, like, think about this. The Saints have 11 sacks over the last two weeks. So, I mean, you could say the Rams have just been consistent and the Saints have been terrible and have gotten better. Right. But no, I mean, I, I think that's fair. You know, Aaron Donald, he's he's a defensive tackle, but he's not really a defensive tackle. I mean, in the sense that, you know, you'll see him everywhere. He's not just going to yeah. line up inside. He's going to line up at the on the edges. You know, he's going to be constantly moving around. So you're going to, you know, the plan for him is going to be a little bit more complicated than the plan would have to be for a Kayvon Thibodeau, who you, you at least know where he's going to be. You know, so they, they might move him from right to left, but he's always going to be on the outside, you know, and it's going to be on Cesar Ruiz. It's going to be on James Hurst. I am worried about what happens when he ends up over James Hurst and you can't send help. I love me some James Hurst, but not in that matchup at all. And so, you know, it's like, I, it's going to be a lot. It's like Eric, Eric needs to be able to work over and help whichever guard is lined up against Aaron Donald. Cause he can wreck a game. Um, May the odds be in your favor, Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 Derek needs, and that's on Derek too. Like he needs to understand where Darren Donald is at all times, and get the ball out. Like you can't allow sack fumbles. You can't do like and he, and he, and it's to his credit, he's been very good at that. Like the Saints' offensive line has not been good, and he deserves credit for the fact that they've only allowed what twenty eight sacks, twenty seven sacks, something like that. It's like it's not because the offensive line is suddenly the you know. Yeah, like the the Cowboys, right? <laughs> it's because the quarterback and the offensive line are kind of working in tandem and the ball is coming out. Yes. Um, and you've been able to avoid third and long situations where he has to stand back there and kind of allow routes to get downfield. I did think it was funny. I got a kick out of it. There was a, there was a Power Rankings article. I think it was Pro Football Network. They were talking about Baker Mayfield's day and, and, and uh, Derek Carr's day. And they talked about Derek Carr against the Giants and they said... Uh, uh, low risk. It was a low risk performance. Um, and then they talked about Baker Mayfield's day and it was like efficient as ever. Well, like Baker was 23 for 28. Derek was 24 for 28. Or, so they were both like in that exact same range. Baker had a bunch of more yards because Chris Godwin had like 80 yak yards. And like, I think Baker had 190 yak yards of his, in his total. And, and Derek had like 90. And it's like, no, it's not. It's it's the same game. You look at the pass chart, and it's basically this, you know, in terms of like Baker didn't attempt a pass more than 20 yards down the field. Derek Pitt attempted one to Rashid. They both had one touchdown that went more than 20 yards. But it's just like perception is everything. And, you know, it's crazy how when you are throwing at Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, it seems like yeah, you're efficient as opposed to low risk. Um, but you know, Derek's been playing well. And uh, so hopefully that can continue for me. You know, I feel like we, we talked about AT Perry. So I, I don't think he's the X factor in this game. I think it's going to be on offense. It's going to be, yeah. Whether you can stop Aaron Donald, I'm just going to double up on what you said, because it really is like, if he can, if Aaron, Aaron wrecks the game, you know, like we've seen Derek go out with injuries. Like that's, what I'm a little worried about in this game is Aaron Donald get, just gets set loose. And in the midway through the third quarter, Plop. you're thinking, oh, is Jameis Winston going to be able to lead a comeback? Right. 
And I, I, I just, I don't want to see that like that. We've watched that movie play out so many times. And I, and it, if that ends up being the case again, it ends up being the story of the season. Because if you, if that happened in this game and you lose, I think you're, you, you, you're not sticking a fork in them completely, but it's going to be a real tough road to, to come back. And you're going to end up having, to, if, if you lose this game to the Rams, like we talked about in the Charlie, the segment, with Charlie, um, the, to me, the only route you have left is, man, hopefully the Jaguars can beat the Bucks on Sunday because you still have a chance to beat both those teams, but you're going to lose the tiebreakers with the Bucks and the Rams. So you like this game is so important. And you like, I just, I want to see the Saints team come out and put in a four quarter performance out. That's going to be tough. Thursday night games are tough. You don't get the prep. You know, you spend a lot of time on a plane. <laughs> we'll see. But that's, I, I agree. I think that's spot on is how the offensive line handles. The Rams' pass rush is going to be the X factor on offense. Yeah, Saints fans know all too well. We've seen Aaron, Aaron Donald wreck Drew Brees before. We don't need them crashing the car, so to speak. Yeah, he, he broke his thumb, right? That, that, yeah. that was the hit that uh, – and the Saints went 5-0 and after that. Um, which is wild. Thanks, Teddy, who's going to retire <laughs> after this season, go coach high school football, which good for him, you know. I think he'd be a fun high school coach. Yeah, there was definitely – you know, you talk about the love for Jameis in this locker room. Man, oh, man. The the players sure did love them some Teddy Bridgewater. He should be in the in the Saints Hall of Fame just for that just for that five five game run alone <laughs> for for, and for riding his bike to the dome. Build a statue of of Teddy outside the stadium going like this. <laughs> I think everyone would be like yes, yes, yeah. exactly. But all right, that's it. that's all I got. Anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? No, man, hoping we can stay on this roll. It's been a lot of fun and definitely hoping for postseason football. I know we're not in that let's tank for the re- you know the the draft. I don't want to start talking about mock drafts right now. Forget that. Nope, we're not the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, I saw Arthur Smith today, you know, not being noncommittal about the future of their head coach. It ain't looking good for Arthur Smith. I don't care what anyone says. Well, it's like you can't. Like I, I talked about this. Like there's an iceberg, and the Saints avoided it. And the uh, like the Falcons just were like, "What's an iceberg? Oh no, we're on the ground!" You know, <laughs> the the ship just splits in half and sinks. You know, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, who, how, who was supposed to? Who was on iceberg duty? What the hell?" <laughs> you know, and then, and then you just got some guys like drunk in a closet somewhere. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, for me, that just the, the question then becomes, what's going to be the future of the GM? You know, Terry Fontenot, we know well. Will he be part of the guys on the chopping block, or, or does he survive kind of thing? That's their problem. Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, I'll, I'll react to it, but I'm not predicting it. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Got it all the way to the end. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Uh, we'll be at Thursday Night Football. I'll be on the sidelines. Uh, Mike Haas calling the game along with Deuce McAllister. Steve will be doing the pregame and the postgame and whatever else he wants to do throughout the day. Check him out at Steve Gully WWL. I'm Jeff Nowak at Jeff underscore Nowak. Check out WWL. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. And uh, otherwise, we'll be back at you probably Friday, I think, is when we'll be able to record. I'll be out in L.A., so we'll have to figure that out. But we will get that to you, I promise. And hopefully it's a post-win pod and not a bourbon sad cast. Um, yeah, hopefully a, a happy bourbon cast, right? Happy bourbon cast. But all right, who dat goes Saints? Be easy, y'all. Let's get three in a row. Who dat? Peace.